Welcome to Core Construction, a show about the missions, activities, and employees of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Today I have with me Daniel Blake Cannon. He's a realty specialist with the real estate division here at the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, so Blake, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. So we've got some big, big news. Uh, when this show airs, we're recording it on a Wednesday on September the 1st. Um, but when it airs, it will actually be the uh, publication of the notices of availability, right? For yep. the uh, fiscal year 2021, 22? 22, yeah. Fiscal year 2022 um, agriculture and grazing leases. Can you, um, uh, you tell us a little bit about that program? Yeah, uh, that's a program that uh, it helps uh, both parties interested, the public and the Corps of Engineers. And what that does is it allows each of the lake offices to select some areas of their land uh, that are not utilized or they don't have the funds to really manage a lot. It just kind of sits there and the Corps owns it, but it helps us to be able to use those lands, put those out for the public to bid on, to be able to hay harvest or to cattle graze or something like that on it. And they are able to do that and it helps cut down uh, prescribed fires, things like that costs for us because they're able to help us to manage it when we can't afford to. So it's really beneficial to both the public and the Corps of Engineers. Um, and we've got, I think, six is that correct? Yeah, we have six this year. Six mm -hmm. this year that are coming out, and uh, we will post those on our website once they um, – actually, they'll be posted by the time this is published. So, mm -hmm. um, But uh, they'll be available under our Notices of Availability uh, link on our, our website, which is at www.swt.usace.army.mil. And uh, we'll also put those out on Facebook and Twitter and all the social media areas so that we can get as many bids as possible. So um, the, one of the first ones is um, we'll just start with uh, the ones in Oklahoma, it looks like. Okay. Uh, so Fort Gibson, um, it looks like there's a bid, there's a notice availability uh, for Fort Gibson. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Uh, yeah, the Fort Gibson uh, lease that's going to be up for, it's going to begin the lease will begin January 1st of 2022, and it is for five years, and there will also be an option that it may be renewed for an additional five years, and that is for grazing purposes. Uh, the land that will be available will be recommended 100 animal units, and it will be for grazing for four months per, per year, April 15th through August 15th. And uh, it's approximately 339 acres with approximately 366 acres usable but there are a few less acres usable there uh, and it's located in Mays County in Oklahoma okay and, and when um, like I noticed on on this I was looking at just the the front page because mm -hmm. these are pretty big documents that we've got up there yeah and um, those the the reason they're so big is because essentially you're downloading an application is that proper is that yeah or essentially you're downloading sort of a pro an application right yeah pretty much uh, what's in that is it'll have a lot of information on how the bid opening will happen, how the bids will be accepted, instructions on that, uh, kind of our basic A&G rules and regulations. And then there will be some maps of those areas that are going to be available. And some of the lakes also require uh, special conditions to be done. Some of them may have some fencing that's down, so they would require the fencing to be built back up. Uh, 
and also some of those require gates being built. Some of them want them at least brush hogged if it's not grazed or something like that to help with uh, mitigate fire, chances of fire, and help manage the area as well. And those you can take those into a, a into your calculations when you look at getting a bid, how much that would cost you time-wise and equipment-wise to do those things. But it's also in there, um, it also has the a copy of a draft of one of our leases, so you'll know exactly what you'll be getting into uh, that with way. The contract. Yeah, with the contract. And it also has uh, different forms that are required, federal requirements for us when we accept a bid. Right, like they like they can't build like permanent structures on a lease land like that, right? No, these are only for, some of them are for hay harvesting and grazing, and some of them are for hay harvesting or grazing, and some are just for grazing. So, I mean, um, a rancher or someone, uh, I, I imagine like sh- uh, sheep or goats or, or cattle or, or, or primarily some of the main yeah. animal type grazing, right? Yeah, but, I've been doing this for, I think this is my... Third, third year doing this with the ANGs, and it's always been cattle, but I think in the past we have had some different animals, but usually it's cattle. Yeah, I, I was out, I was up in Kansas um, a few years back, and I don't remember if it was around Fall River or not, but I think there was some grazing land in that area, uh, out just outside of the, on the way to the lake, you know, and I was driving down this road. I think it was Fall River, but... But it looked like they were grazing um, sheep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember because there was like a, a sheep dog. It was like a sheep got out, and we kind of stopped to look at it. And the sheep dog came out, and he was watching us pretty like a hawk, you know. And I was wondering if that was like, you know, uh, lease land or not. But um, anyway, um, they would bring their cattle or, or whatever mm-hmm. uh, whatever uh, animals that they have, whatever herd they have, um, out to the to the site and then um, graze them there. And then they would typically take them back. Is that how it works? Or did, would it typically work like they would leave them there overnight to graze? Yeah, they would leave them there overnight. Uh, okay. Generally, uh, most of these leases are going to be for year-round. Uh, the Fort Gibson one, like we talked about, is actually going to be a little bit different with only allowing grazing from April 15th. To August 15th. So they would go in on April 15th, turn their cattle loose, uh, and leave them in there until August 15th. Just to, because most of what we have is they're just getting them ready to take to market. So they're just letting them uh, grow up, farm up, and uh, get fattened up basically. Get, get, get some meat on them and yeah. some fat on them so that you can sell them, right? Yep. Um, and I guess the, uh, well, I said Oklahoma, but we might as well, there's like one in from, from Kansas here. So yep. I guess we'll hit John Redmond. So there's one, uh, and and um, the previous the previous Fort Gibson one and and these numbers will be at the end of this. You'll see them on the link when you click on it for the um, for the notice availability document. It will be uh, phonetically Delta Alpha Charlie Whiskey, and then the number is five six dash nine dash two two dash zero zero five. So that will be at the end of the uh, of the link that you click on. Um, now these are all sealed sealed right. Yes, these are sealed bids. So can you explain the sealed bid process, what that means? Okay, so what you'll do is uh, there is a bid form that has to be accompanied with your bid. And uh, what you do is you take that bid form, you fill it out, which area you want to bid on, which lake you want to bid on, the amount. And I believe it's 10% uh, on those checks. You write a check for 10%, at, at minimum 10% of your bid. And that would be placed in an envelope with your name I'm sorry, with no name on it, placed in an envelope, and then placed in another envelope uh, that would have your name, 
uh, as you're mailing it to us in our address. And when we receive those, we will open the first envelope, but the other sealed bid then will be placed with the other bids and kept until uh, October 6th when we're going to do the bid opening. And then those will be opened. So that first envelope that you you have or the outside envelope is for mailing purposes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the second, and that basically ensures that, that we know that what we've got in the mail is an actual sealed bid, mm-hmm. right? And then you yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, and even on the address to us, we asked in the instructions on the NOA, it asked that you put uh, A&G bid offer, right. I believe it what it is, as you address it to us. So we can make sure we know what that is and not open that second envelope. Now, um, the it's, uh, there's a term here. It says offer deposit, and that's 25% of the annual amount offered. Okay, yes, it's 25%. I'm, excuse me, I said 10 Oh, okay. Is that 25%. the same thing you were talking yes, about? Yes, it is. Um, you can offer, uh, you can go ahead and write a check for up for a minimum of 25%. Okay. And then that is, uh, once we go through our checklist of who the apparent high bidder is, we'll go through and make sure that the numbers are correct and that the bid has been an acceptable bid. It has everything that's required of it. Okay. Uh, all right. So, oh, we'll, we'll get to this next one, I guess, with John Redman that I just delayed. Um, so can you tell us about this one? This one at John Redman, Kansas. And uh, that's John Redman Can- Reservoir in Kansas. Right? Yep. Yep. John Red- Redman Reservoir in Kansas. It's actually located in Coffee County, Kansas. Uh, and it's for hay harvesting. And it is approximately 45 acres uh, and it is for five years, and it may be renewed for an additional five years as well. Uh, that one's pretty small compared to some of the other ones. But if somebody's needing some hay, a farmer's needing hay, uh, that'd be a good place, uh, a good area to bid on. Um, and about 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 the the um, the size and basically what typically you know amounts come in. There's opportunities to get a pretty good deal to graze on a lot of land. I mean, depending on what the, the bids are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's pretty good opportunity for that. Uh, we, we don't want to necessarily, we're not there to make any money off of it. We're trying to make sure that that land is managed even when we don't have the funds to maybe manage it ourselves. Like I said, we want to make sure that our boundary fences are up. So a lot of times they require the rebuilding of boundary fences to be put up. Uh, sometimes they require brush hogging, like I said, to help cut down on chances of wildfires breaking out, things like that. So it really helps both of us. They're able to go in and harvest hay on these lands uh, that maybe nobody's harvested on for a while. And also we get to be able to have them be managed and taken care of. Is there a, a limit to the type of animal that they can graze on the lands that you're aware of? Or is... Not that I know of. Everybody's always just done cattle as far as I know. Yeah. So somebody wanted to bring in pigs for whatever reason. Yeah, I might have to do some different calculations on animal <laughs> units for that, yeah. But our standard animal units is for cows. Okay. All right. So we'll go to the next one. Um, and this one is for uh, Newt Graham Lock and Dam 18. Yeah, that one is going to be grazing or hay harvesting. Uh, and it is located in Rogers County, Oklahoma. And it's approximately 400 acres. And if you are going to graze it, you can do uh, 40 animal units there, and it's for five years, and it may be renewed for an additional five years as well. Okay. And then uh, now you were you worked out of a lake office out at Hugo, right? Yeah, I started at Pat Mays Lake there in uh, Powderly, Texas. Yeah. All right, just outside of Paris, right? Yep. Um, and so you did you guys do any for, from from 
from Hugo and Pat Mays, did you guys do any grazing land out there that you ever offered up for the public? Never when I was there. I think a few years before, seemed like the Corps kind of got away from doing grazing uh, in the Tulsa district, grazing and hay harvesting and A&G leases in general. Kind of got away from doing that, but we've been trying to bring it back over the years uh, and do that more. I know that they uh, they actually do have a hay harvesting uh, lease at Hugo now, but they okay. didn't the few years I was there. I was there for about uh, five, six years. Okay. So you never really encountered it as a ranger? I did not. Okay. All right. I was going to ask you though what um, the the benefits for the for us in people managing that land by by letting the, the cattle graze that you you mentioned burns you know mm-hmm. normally we'd have to go out and do like prescribed burn to keep the 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 brush down there right mm-hmm. at a minimum and and keep fire keep prevent fires you know mm-hmm. little fires prevent big fires um, uh, but in working on these things, I mean, what what are some of the other benefits? I mean, uh, I mean, for for us, for the for the government in in leasing out uh, public property, uh, in leasing it out, cattle grazing also helps, and brush hogging, that also helps to, if you want to get technical with management, uh, it would help take it back to a, a primary succession of the land, much like burning, not quite as good as burning, but it'll help bring it back to a primary succession, which would be the natural grasses that would originally have grown there. Uh, and also helps with invasive grass species, help cutting down on those especially. Do, do cattle, will cattle eat a lot of those invasive species, or does it, is it just the, the act of like the, the, the ranchers go out and throw seed out that, for what they want? Their cattle? Yeah, a lot of times they'll spray. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll spray for, to get rid of those because the, a lot of times the cattle won't eat those mm-hmm. uh, because of that, or some of them can be harmful. It just depends. But a lot of times the, the ranchers will come out and spray for those to get rid of them. Uh, also, people that are cutting hay, they don't really want that in their hay, so they'll spray for them. So it's another benefit to both of us. It helps us to cut down on those invasive species, and they don't want it in there anyway, so it helps us both if they get rid of it. Okay. All right. So uh, this other one is uh, down at Lake Texoma. Now, this is this is on the Oklahoma side? Yes, this is on the Oklahoma side. All right. Can you tell us about this? Uh, this one is uh, Delta Alpha Charlie Whiskey 56. Dash nine dash two two dash zero zero six. Yeah, this is a grazing lease. It is located in Love County, Oklahoma. It has uh, approximately one hundred and sixty acres. Uh, Twenty five of those acres are usable for grazing purposes. That area has a maximum of ten animal units, and it is for five year lease and may be renewed for an additional five years. Okay, so at the end of the. Uh, toward the end of the five years, I guess you guys send them a letter and say, hey, are you wanting to renew? Uh, I mean, provided mm-hmm. there's no issues. Yes. Right? Yeah, it gives a, a, and at any time, the person that has the lease has the option to terminate the lease. And so the government also reserves that right as well. If there is some problems or issues, uh, I mean, if someone was grazing uh, longer than they were supposed to be grazing or grazing a lot more cattle than the land can support, things like that, that would be cause for termination. But generally, we, we don't have those problems. So after five years, if they would like to continue, and uh, generally the price uh, stays the same overall, uh, we are open to them accepting that option to continue, and we continue along with them, and they can have that lease for 10 years. Now, do you typically see the same sites come up uh, for notices in the the three years that you've been doing, or is it, well, I guess if it's five years, you wouldn't see the exact same sites, but uh, do you know how many typically different ones are out there? 
Uh, it just kind of depends on the year, how many uh, they put up. I know I spoke with rangers at Eufaula before, and they are opening up some historical pastures that they used to have in grazing or hay harvesting in the A&G program, but they haven't used in years. And so they're trying to get back. Uh, as I said before, I don't think it was very well used uh, in the past very often. And so now we're kind of getting back into it and using it more often. And so they're adding in more land almost every year, uh, adding in new pastures that were historically maybe an in had an A&G lease, but hasn't had one maybe in the past 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, wow. All right. So let's get to this. Uh, I think this is the last one. Did I, did I skip something? Uh, believe we have two oh, more yeah okay. i think we have tinkiller and wister oh uh, yeah 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 you're right that was, i knew i knew you looked at me kind of funny when i was like i named one of them and you're like i don't think that's the next one all right yeah <laughs> so uh tinkiller we'll go to tinkiller yeah tinkiller is a hay harvesting lease it is 49 acres located in cherokee county oklahoma and it is for five years and may be renewed for an additional five years as well awesome um All right, and then this last one is Worcester. Yep, Worcester. Uh, there's a grazing and or hay harvesting there, and it's uh, approximately 152 acres, with 80 of those acres being usable. Uh, they request eight animal units to be used there. It is located in LaFleur County, Oklahoma, and it's for five years, and it may be renewed for an additional five years as well. Oh, awesome. So that that that's all the the notices that we're going to have um, or that, that are up on the website at the moment that this is published anyway. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about real estate and what you guys do in real estate? Because um, uh, typically, right. When people, when people hear the term real estate, they think, you know, the, the companies <laughs> that, yeah. that sell homes or commercial property, but, but you guys do a, do a different sort of thing on the, uh, a lot of what you do is leasing, right? Yeah, it is. Oh, basically what I tell people whenever they ask me uh, when I'm out at the store or something like that and get to talking about what I do, I tell them basically anything, uh, any corporation, private person, government agency, anybody that needs to come across government property or Corps of Engineers property will end up coming through the real estate office eventually. Mm -hmm. uh, we issue those uh, real estate instruments, whether they be um, out grants like leases, oil and gas leases, uh, agriculture and grazing leases, commercial concessions for marinas and stores. Um, we have licenses for electric lines going to private boat docks. We have uh, easements for electric companies, phone line companies, uh, public roadways, anything that basically covers or crosses Corps of Engineers land, we will issue an instrument for it. Oh, wow. Now, Typically, you have a real estate representative or, or real estate per specialist, realty specialist at some of the bigger lake offices, at least, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they used to have one almost at, I believe, every lake or at the area offices. Now, most of us are located in the, the Tulsa District office. We do have two realty specialists at the Texoma Lake office. They're kind of their own thing. They have more out grants than... Uh, than any of the other lakes. Oh, and really? So they they they're very busy. So they have two that are there on site all the time. Oh, okay. Um, and now when we also have a forestry program that was started up down at, at Hugo mm -hmm. um, in the last, let's about three years or so. Um, 
does real estate have a role in that program as well, or is that is that pretty much just on its own? Uh, no, it's a lot like our uh, agriculture and grazing uh, in a ways that we do and leases that we do. Uh, what our forester will do is he'll go out and select the the plots of land that have the trees, and he'll kind of do evaluations for us on that, and then we draw up the paperwork. We do a public NOA, just like we do for agriculture and grazing, and we do the um, sealed bid openings as well for those. Yeah, and they'll go and they'll select certain trees that are that yeah. they that they're allowed to to cut, right? Yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. He'll go through, I believe, and uh, and spray paint the trees to make the selections and decide about how many acres there are, and he kind of does some estimates so we can know at least how much it might be worth and kind of go from there when we get bids. Oh wow! Uh, so tell me about you. Uh, how did you end up in real estate? So you used to be a ranger. You were down yep. at Hugo, Pat Mays, right? And then um, I, I guess, you know, I say Hugo, but everything's kind of managed out of Hugo, right, overall. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how did you end up in real estate? Uh, I did a TDY in 2017 uh, at Texoma with a, a realty specialist now, Cindy Buchanan, down there. And uh, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being able to work in the office but get out and go and look at the marinas and do inspections uh, that we do, and no real estate action is ever the same. <laughs> really, no matter how simple it may seem to be, there's always be something that's a little bit different. And so it's pretty good. I like that it it changes every day. And being a ranger, you're always on duty on holidays and in the summer times we work nights and weekends and stuff like that. And as a realty specialist, we don't have to do that. So it, <laughs> it's pretty nice. Especially I was just starting a family at the time. Okay. Uh, so it, it's nice to be able to be home on weekends and holidays and stuff with my wife and my kids. <laughs> Do, do, now our contracting office is really really busy at, at like towards the end of the year or whatever I know they they have like an entire period of time where they have to spend all night like working doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> do you guys have a a rush like that toward the end of the fiscal years as well? Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't think it's as big as their rush. Uh typically we have I'm trying to remember what our number is. We have approximately over 3,000 out grants in Tulsa District that we do. And those can be anywhere from one-year licenses, five-year easements, uh, to uh, 25-year leases, to 50-year leases, and some of them are indefinite. But every year, there'll be a new rotating number of things that are expiring. And uh, we try to get those either terminated if they're no longer needed, or we try to get those renewed if they're still needed. And we have a backlog, is what we call it, those actions. So every year, uh, we try to get down to as the few as possible, but there's some that we've been working on for years uh, that we doesn't seem like we'll ever be able to get them renewed or finished. But we keep working on those, and then the next calendar year, we get a brand new set of those uh, to start all over again on. Yeah, it's like a, it's just like just as just as soon as you're finished with one thing, a whole new one pops, a whole new yeah. set of <laughs> Yeah, we have all up. those that are able to be renewed or terminated, and then we're also getting in new actions uh, every day from the project of new things that are needing to be added. <laughs> Somebody's got a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> program they want to create. Yeah. Um so how do you, how many people do you guys have down there in real estate? Uh, let's see. I believe there's around 20 of us in the M&D side, uh, is, which is the side I work in, management and disposal branch. We do the leases and licenses for the civil works side of the core uh, of Tulsa District. Also, there is the acquisition side, and they handle a lot of the military side. So they would do like Fort Sill and, uh, and those places. But we handle 
just the project offices. And there's probably about, I think, 20 of us kind of at a given time. There's a lot of rotation in and out and different positions and hiring new realty specialists and other people taking other positions, but around 20. And at the same time, so you're working on these, I guess, sort of lease contracts and everything mm-hmm. and, and the bid processes. And then and then you're also doing inspections on concessionaires and people who have who, who have mm-hmm. out grants. You call them out grants, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, and so you're doing inspections as well to make sure that they're not violating any rules, right? Yeah, we try to do those in the spring uh, because we realize a lot of those are they're what we call major out grants. The miners the operations side helps us a lot with those. The rangers will go out and inspect miners, uh, like an AT and T telephone line. If it still crosses us, they'll go out and look at it, right make away. sure it's, it's held up, make sure it's not falling down, and uh, and so they inspect those. But the bigger ones, we go out and look at, especially the marinas, is really what we we'll go look at, and we'll inspect the state parks that we have that are leased out, uh, things like that. What a what as a ranger uh, moving into the real estate world what what prepared you the most for it was it that tdy or yeah it was uh when i came from hugo and pat mays those lakes typically don't do any real estate actions uh i worked i like i said i worked at pat mays and at hugo for about probably about 10 years total uh being a ranger and i didn't do any real estate actions in those 10 years and then i i decided to give real estate a try uh, and went on TDY and just learned. And I knew I did some TDYs at the other lakes <laughs> with the rangers. And I saw that they do real estate actions almost every day, especially Eufaula and Texoma and Keystone, Tinkiller. Those lakes, rangers do that almost every day. And we talk about it in our ranger trainings, how to go through and if you were going to do one, what you do. Uh, and so it was good to be able to see the other side of it and to kind of put it all together. Oh, that's why they're teaching us how to gather this information. That's why, because the real estate department needs it when they're issuing this and, and going to put everything together so that uh, they can follow the, the federal regulations. Yeah. You guys, and when you're, when you're a ranger, you know, you, you all do like a, a series of, you spend a little time in regulatory, you spend a little time in real estate, you spend a little time in some of these other um, I know we've had rangers come and spend time in public affairs too, even um, if they when, when we have developmental opportunities. But um, did did you do the regulatory time as well when you were a ranger? Or? No, I did. Uh, I did some shoreline management time with the the rangers at Texoma, learning about the private boat docks, and I did some time with the recreation planners and operations. Uh, but I I was out. I've been out of the ranger training program. I don't remember how long ago that was. <laughs> it was quite a while ago. I think it's yeah. changed a little bit since I was in it. Yeah. Seems like we have more come to real estate now. When is your busiest time of year? Uh, our busiest time is probably beginning around uh, March to about May, because that's when we try to do those compliance inspections out at the marinas. We know that their busiest time is the summer, so we try to come in right before they open when they've got everything cleaned up and they're getting ready to go so we can come in and inspect it and make sure everything looks good. They're following the regulations. Uh, and a lot of our regulations are not typical real estate regulations. A lot of that is basic safety type stuff. Make sure that if they sell gas at the docks, that they have all their signs are posted, the warning signs and things like that. Making sure there's no uh, electrical lines in the water. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. We, we check uh, electrical on the docks to make sure that they have the, the, the GFCI plugs and that they are working properly and things like that, and to make sure uh, that when the public does come out there that that uh, everybody's 
held accountable and everybody's trying to stay safe out there. So do, how, about how many land, how much land do you guys oversee? Because um, we're a pretty big district. We've got, I know, what, millions of acres of land or whatever? Yeah, I think we have like 1.3 million. It looks wow. like total acres. And the core, uh, the real estate division, especially our civil works side, management disposal, we have 62% of that land uh, is outgranted. Wow. Uh, and we collect yearly uh, around $2 million in rent collected through all the different actions that we work. So it's a pretty big program. Yeah. So what have I not asked you that I should probably have asked you? Because I know there's a lot of stuff of that that I don't know about even in real estate. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure. <laughs> there's a lot. I mean, I'm pretty open to any questions. But, yeah, it, there's a lot of things that we do. Uh, we touch a lot of things. And, and it's... And it's good. I would recommend the Rangers if they can come and do a TDY in, in real estate because the Rangers are our first, they're the first person in the step to getting an out grant with the Corps of Engineers. You talk to the project office. If there's anything you're wanting to do or have questions about, they start the ball rolling from them. And then real estate, it goes through uh, from the park rangers up to the operations division here at the district office and then to the environmental side of that. And at the very end is real estate. And so it's kind of good to, for them to see they're at the beginning and don't get to see any other parts than to come to real estate to get to see all of it together there at the end and how it works out. Do you have to ever spend time at like a courthouse going through records or? I have a stuff? few times. Generally, we have pretty good record keeping and we've done a lot of digitalization of all of our files and all of our tracts of land that we acquired when the lakes were being built. Uh, but sometimes there'll be something that's missing and we'll have to go to a courthouse to try to try to find it. But generally we have all that. What's that like being at the courthouse looking for, for deeds and well, for deeds, me, right? Typically it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, for me, it, it can be a little weird because some of those files are so old, they don't have digital copies of them yet. So it's not something they can just pull up on the computer. So they'll have to go. And then I'm still kind of new to it. So I'm trying to describe to them what someone told me what I'm looking for is called, but they might call it something else, especially we do business with Texas and Kansas. So they don't always call things the exact same thing Oklahoma does. So it's a, it can be a little uh, intimidating. It can be a little difficult sometimes, but we, we get it done. There's a terminology there's like a whole set of terminology yeah. by state that varies. Yeah, there are for everything. And then the, the people that work in Kansas, they don't know Oklahoma's terminology for, for I mean, even just basic things. And then in Texas, uh, and then reading surveys, if you're trying to read a survey, if you've ever read an Oklahoma survey and compared it to a Texas survey, it's a whole different deal. Really? Yeah, Texas, uh, they used a different survey system a lot of times than Oklahoma did. And I was when I was in college, we learned the Oklahoma way. And so that's that's the easiest way for me. I don't right. remember the exact survey system that they use, but I know Texas is as different, and uh, it can be a lot harder to read sometimes. Oh wow, I had no idea that it was that it was that uh, diverse yeah. in terms of yeah. It just depends on what type of survey system they wanted to use. Wow, and um, you know records change over the years, and sometimes there were some stipulations in those old when we acquired it. Mm -hmm. uh, they would say. Just for example, maybe there was a tree that was special to the family. Maybe their great-grandparents met under that tree or something. And so when we acquired it, that was one of the stipulations was, don't touch this tree, leave it alone. And so sometimes there's things like that in there, and sometimes they can be a little different. But uh, I've heard of that one being in there before. When are we doing the bid openings on these? Is it all going to be all on the same day? Yeah, it's going to be all on the same day. We're going to do a uh, 
pre-bid conference where if anybody has any specific questions about any of the land that's going to be uh, bid on, they'll be able to ask those questions. We'll be able to try to get a hold of the project office if they don't have a representative present. We usually try to get them to have someone present there to answer those or we can answer the best of our knowledge, or we can answer the real estate side questions. Uh, we'll do that at 1.30 p.m. on October 6th of 2021, and then at 2 o'clock, 2 p.m. on October 6th, we will do the bid opening, and we'll announce the apparent high bidders for those. And, and we're going to live stream that one again, yeah, right? That's right, yeah. We're going to try to live stream it this year as All well. Right. We're, we're going to try to do two uh, platforms this time. Oh, really? So okay, yeah. <laughs> Okay. As you can tell, I'm, in, I'm intimately involved in this process. Um, yeah. So uh, October the sixth. Sixth. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So thirty p.m. And and these need to be in by what? When do these all need to be in by? Does it vary by each individual one, or is it all the same? Uh, uh, they need to be received by us in real estate before the bid opening starts at 2 p.m. Oh, on okay. October 6th. Oh, wow. So yep. so if you have to, I mean, we have we you can come and drop them off in person with our security office. Uh, just leave them there, and, and uh, we can come and pick them up. Or if you'd like to mail them in, uh, we do have that on the NOAs as well. It's easier to just mail it in. But if you want to come, you can come and do that. Now, I noticed that, obviously, you have a different lake office points of contact listed on each each one has mm-hmm. each lake has its own point of contact and then you also have a different real estate division person mm-hmm. on on some of these I, I don't know if some of these are the same or not but um yeah some i think there's two of them that'll have the same person yeah i, I see you're for you're, you've got john redmond mm-hmm. and nikki nikki's got a couple <laughs> yeah she should have uh yeah new graham and fort gibson all right, and then Sarah down at uh, Texoma, and she's down at Texoma. Yes, right? she is. Mm-hmm. But um, all those need to be. Do, do all these need to come into the district office? Yes, uh, we have on there to mail them to us. If they get mailed to the project office, then we have to have somebody from the project office bring them to us. Uh, but the the instructions do read to send them to us at the district office. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so send them to the district office or bring them or drop them off of the mm-hmm. district office. Um, and they need to be in before that bid, that bid opening starts at that bid opening starts at two o'clock. Right? Yeah. We'll have somebody check our mail room uh, one last time uh, right before two o'clock. And uh, it just in case there's anything that got put in late or something like that. Uh, but at two o'clock will be the cutoff. We will start opening. And then after we start opening bids, uh, we make everything available to the public. So there's no behind the scenes. Everything's out in the open bid wise. Uh, and so we won't be able to accept any bids after 2 p.m. on October 6th. Yeah, it's like it's like the Academy Awards almost. Yeah, yeah. You know? and the winner is. Uh, well, we don't even say the winner is. We just yeah. give you the numbers, right? I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Well, then we talk to them and make sure they understand, okay, uh, because a lot of these, as we said before, they do have special requirements. And so sometimes people forget that, that the, not only will they have this lease, but they might have to repair some fence or they might have to replace some gates or, or something like that. So uh, when you're looking at those to bid on them, make sure you read the, the special requirements uh, for each lease. Each lease will have something different or they might have something similar, but generally they'll be just a little bit different. And so it's important that they look at those uh, because we will we'll talk to you and make sure you understand that that is going to be required before we uh, we both lock into the lease and sign it. Yeah, and... And so, 
I know in contracting when we when we have an apparent we have apparent apparent um high bidder high bidder or yeah. whatever right you have the apparent high bidder mm-hmm. um does that work the same yes guess? so it will be the apparent at the end of the day yeah. until it's all certified official and everything yeah and we go into that before we'll start opening we'll go in to make sure everyone's aware that that yeah when we announce a winner it is a apparent high bidder of a lease and then we tell we'll we'll mention that we'll be in contact with you within the next couple of weeks to talk to you and kind of get it ironed out and if you don't win and you come in quote unquote second um, and the next person, for whatever reason, doesn't go through with the mm-hmm. lease. Some I don't for whatever reason. Um, do you just go to the second? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had uh, we had someone that uh, bid on it was the apparent high bidder last year. Uh, they looked at the legal description a little bit wrong, and it wasn't exactly the land that they were wanting. So they did not uh, wish to go forward with it. So we moved down the line to the next high bidder. Oh, awesome. Well, I guess, well, awesome for the person who ended up with it, yeah. not for the person who <laughs> set yeah, that yeah. in. But, um, awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks for, for taking the time to come. In. And I know I know um, you guys are, are busy, and to take an hour out of your day or whatever to, to come up here to public affairs and and sit down and, and talk on a yeah. microphone for, for 45 minutes or whatever, um, I, I know that that can <laughs> <laughs> that takes you away from what you want to be doing and need to be doing. But I really do appreciate you yeah. you, you coming out here. and No problem at um, all. Is there anything that, that we need to make sure people need to know? Uh, just uh, live stream. If you'll check our website, you can look at those notices of availability for each uh, each of the leases and each lake. And October 6th, 1.30 p.m. will be the uh, pre-bid conference to ask any questions. And then at 2 o'clock, We'll start opening those bids. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Blake. Have a great day. Um, Please say hi to everybody in real estate for me. Will do. Like I said, it's glad to be here. I listen to a lot of podcasts, so it's fun to actually be on one, be able to (laughs) do talking on it. So we're we're a fledgling operation, but we're 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 trying to make it great, right? (laughs) Yeah. Construction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Public Affairs Office. This episode of Construction was brought to you by the Tulsa District Real Estate Division. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.